60 seconds. Ethna, thank you for giving uh, a way to pronounce your name so I don't feel like I'm in some Lord of the Rings movie trying to figure out who I'm talking to, which is great. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Yep. Sorry about well, that. Time. No, it, it helps. It really, the phonetic thing really helps. Thanks. Is it an Irish name? It is, yeah. I, it was a very, very old one. So is Clinton. <laughs> we have a club of two then, <laughs> the old Irish names. Old Irish names. I think Nicole is also an old Irish, and Shannon, definitely. <laughs> old Irish name, definitely. <laughs> Nina, probably also. Hello, Christina. Hello, Phyllis. Good morning, Clinton, and everybody else. <laughs> Hello, Gabriel. Hello, Sofia Magdalena. Hello, Michelle. Michelle de Mexico. <laughs> God, it's amazing. All the whole world is checking in. This is good. Phyllis, I think you're the one representing America today. Really? What's happened to everybody else? Oh, Shannon's there. Oh, no. All right, Janet is there. Okay. And Callista, too. Yeah, Callista. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nicola, you also in America? I'm in Canada. Okay, forget it. Totally a different thing. Just totally different. Absolutely. You're free of guilt. Not be no. blamed. That's good. <sighs> what a rough world it is out there. Nina, where are you calling from? So my name is pronounced Nina. Um, and I'm currently in Germany. But I'm not German. Germany. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not German, so don't ask me any. any what German. are you then? Um, well, I was born in Israel. That's the answer to a different question. I said, "What are you?" What What am I? Yes, it's what I said. I define as Homo sapien. All right, Neanderthal or? Probably some percentage of Neanderthal, I haven't checked. Maybe some definition, I don't know. There's actually a new species emerging that I think you're a part of. And uh, I just can't remember what it is. 
just has to do with the humans who are evolving consciousness. Yeah, homo evolutio. Homo evolutio. So next time somebody says, what are you? You can say homo evolutio. Yeah, I could. Yeah. But I think I get enough um, problems when I'm a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, but see, what we're learning here in this exploration of radiant joy, brilliant love in that building love that lasts material is we're learning to take radical responsibility for the culture that we represent or live in, live inside of. And that means it, you don't have to have majority vote. People, people do not have, you don't have to submit yourself to the majority vote of which culture prevails. Mm -hmm. Because you can have the culture, as Charlie Eisenstein would say, that your heart knows is possible. You can actually live and create moment to moment and live in the culture that your heart knows is possible. That's what this is about. That's what we're doing. The thing is that the context of a culture is rich. It's very complex and sophisticated and elegant. And to extract yourself from a birth culture of ordinary relationship is, uh, is an endeavor worthy of your, of your full effort because it's, it's, we're complexly woven into an unconscious or ordinary relationship culture. And so, but every time you extract yourself from one distinction and plant your grounding cord or your point of origin into a new distinction, you can take responsibility for that part of the culture that you would love to live in. And you don't ever have to get out of it. You don't ever have to leave that. You don't have to be adaptive. And instead of being adaptive and conforming to the cultures around you, you can appreciate or um, be amazed about the cultures that are around and that that is a very a, a good beginning to a fine day is to wake up put your foot down on the earth in your own culture and refuse to get out of it all day long and all night long and just just persist and it leads of course like you said Nina, to interesting conversations, but the fact that you regard yourself as weird is the perspective from outside of your culture. You get what I'm saying? Because you called yourself weird. Well, that some would the, people would say I'm weird. That's what I'm saying. But in your culture, is your culture about being weird? Maybe it is. There are some cultures where the ideal is to be weird, you weird everybody out in your culture. So instead of saying hello, you say like this, and then the people get weirded out, and you you're part of that culture. Something like that. See, at least my fingers tasted good because they had chocolate on them. So it was it was a good thing for me to do that. Would anybody like to say anything or share anything or 
be, as we're getting started here. Like Phyllis, would you like to share your <clears throat> would you like to share your carrot juice? No. Just joking. Janet. Uh, you know, this week <clears throat> I've been noticing my center. I spent a lot of time with that and noticed that someone said my name in a Zoom call and I gave them my center just by them saying my name. <laughs> um and then I noticed because it was a a uh, possibility manager person um that they needed to kind of like set me like they pushed me back like no no like stop like because i think they noticed and it, it was just such a interesting right away i noticed because it was the first time i've ever noticed in myself that just my name someone saying my name could have me like i just gave them my center just with the, something so simple um and then noticing how I, I could tell that they were like, no, well, continue doing what you were doing. Like, you don't have to stop. So then now I'm, again, I have greater awareness around if someone even enters into my space or my, say my name or whatever, like, I don't have to do shit. I just say what I'm doing. And then when I'm ready, give that person my attention. But I like just something so small, but it was really powerful. Um, Again, it's been a really a fantastic week of, of being in that space. So anyway, I'm grateful. Lots of joy. Wow. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, this is how it goes. This is really important. That's, that's how fast it is, and that's how subtle of an energetic gesture it is to, to have somebody open the door for you to give your center away, but it is you who give your center away. Nobody can take your center away. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Wow, cool. Devin, where are you calling from? Uh, Seattle, my room. All right, all right. Do you know Dean Spillane Walker? No. Okay. He's in Eugene, I think. He's in Oregon, but Phyllis, you know him, right? <clears throat> no, he's nope. not in Eugene. Where is he? Oh, yeah, no, I know Dean. Yeah, he's in Ashland, near okay. Ashland. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure everybody loves everybody. I know Florian, right. Florian Beckerow. Oh, good. Yeah. Do you ever see him? It's been a while. But we used to live together. I used to go to his room a lot and uh, pester him. Oh, is that good floor. or bad that you moved out? Oh, it's amazing. Um, uh -oh. I've lived in, I've created, I've lived in a bunch of communities since then and helped create them. And um, yes. Dean Walker is in Eugene. Or maybe Seattle. I think Clinton has just dropped out and somehow it's so intense that his internet cannot handle it. So he's going to come back.
looks like I made it back. I think um, I, I knew I had a split personality, but there's looks like there's two Clinton Callahans here side by side. I have a multiple personality thing going on. That's okay though. Don't use that as evidence to support any story. All right. Anybody else want to say anything else right now? Clinton, we, Clinton, you could be exhibiting the power to clone yourself. That's another alternative possibility. Appreciate that as an option to choose from. I, I don't take responsibility for the clones, though. They have free will. <laughs> Michelle. I... I wanted to thank Sarah, Dor, and Nicole for a major process this week regarding the past life tribe experience. It was, I wish we had recorded it. Um, and I love you guys and <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. Great. Thank you. Michelle, that was Nicole and who? Dor, Nicole, and Sarah. And Sarah, right. yes, Sarah had a particular holding space, intuitive, connective tribe at just absolutely beyond my wildest expectations or wishes. And thank you. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Wow. Great. Thank you. So I just, uh, we've been working on this on the process website to provide even more clarity about and support, like to try to encourage you guys to, whenever something comes up that you can't explain or is emotional or is trigger or reactivity, to grab, you know, two, two of the other people on the team and just say, could you please take me through this process? And so if you, if you, it would, I would feel glad if you would also keep checking into the process website, process.mystrikingly.com, because there's a, there's a lot to, you can start as you are, and there's a lot to um, expand into. There's a lot of territory to take up, to make your own. And so we're trying to uh, put as much as I can into the one website and links to other websites for practices and experiments. And it's a, it's a, a lifelong practice of exploring and developing the possibility of, of bringing other people through emotional healing processes and transformational initiation processes. I, it's, so, uh, it's so part of next culture to have those skills i was writing and imagining or realizing that you know in modern culture we have a complex set of skills that allows us to drive a car or use a smartphone for example or um, do online banking you know these things is a complex set of skills well the skill of taking somebody through uh, an initiatory or emotional healing process is also a complex set of skills and it would be just as ordinary in in next culture in archiarchy for people to have those skills as in modern culture it is to have the skills of navigating a smartphone so it's it's no 
no more complex than that or no more sophisticated. So, so, I'm, so I just would encourage as many people as possible to keep developing those skills and the best way that I know to develop them is to take a risk, is to say, yes, I will hold space for you to go through this process, have no idea what you're doing, shit in your pants, change your pants and keep going. And so that's, I really encourage you to do that with each other because, because the basis of, of it is in yourself. You know, the basis of the guidance of what you can give to other people is, is coming directly from your own experience of yourself. So it can't be that wrong. It's, you're not gonna crash the car and somebody's gonna die. It's not like that. It's, it's um, really, it comes right out of your heart, right out of your being, right out of your soul. You just try and you'll be surprised what comes through you when you commit to being the space through which your bright principles can do their work in the world and serve other people. It's amazing what can come through. So it's like, I, I say that. And then every now and then, and Chloe and I, we get a message from somebody and they go, you know what? I had this experience of being a space through which my bright principles could do their work in the world. It was amazing. We just look at each other and go, that's what we told you three months ago or whatever. But it really is that way. And, it, and there's nothing you can do to decrease the amazingness. There's so much in terms of intelligent resources that we are, that modern culture doesn't know anything about that you have, that we have as individuals, even if we're part Neanderthal, we still have this potential to jack into the right principles and our archetypal lineage and, and the archetypes of the feelings and all of that. So. Thank you so much for everybody who's doing that. And I encourage everybody else who wants to, to do those experiments. I'm going to, has anybody else had their hand up that I didn't see? Susanna, hello, Susanna. Uh, hello, yes, Clinton Callahan, what can we do for you? Yes. You have to turn your uh, microphone on. There you unmute, unmute your microphone. Now, yes. can you, yeah, I'm hopeless in computer. I had a big rage this morning because I didn't. Uh, Clinton, I went through a very sadness process um, a, a week ago, and um, my daughter helped me. That's Anna Sarah Harrison. She sort of did it with the phone, and my husband helped me. He's here, Tom. He just didn't. Um, uh, I just spent the whole morning crying, and he just was ne near me. And what I had afterwards was a very heavy body. It's taken about six days to get over it, but there's a, a very different energy in my body now. That's, is that sort of normal? For auto Let me explain. The, there's a great website, if you look at websites, called Three Phase Healing. Mm -hmm. Three Phase Healing. And... Uh, on it, it describes how in traditional healing or traditional psychological processes, the idea is that we're living our life and then we, we have a problem or have a conflict or we have a disease or an illness and we go out of balance mm -hmm. and we go through this healing process and the idea is that it takes us back to the healed state where we were before. Mm -hmm. So either healthy or ill healthy or okay. ill you try to get back to being healthy 
the way it was before. This is two-phase healing. What we're talking about in next culture, archiarchy, the kind of work that this is, is called three-phase healing. And what that means is you have some condition where you are right now. You enter a liquid state, which is a, mm -hmm. a, a discomfort. A, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable state. It's mm -hmm. a breakdown. Things are moving around. Things don't mm -hmm. work the same the old way. Mm -hmm. And you have experiences. And, and the space holder, whoever, whoever's with you, you have those two mm -hmm. great space holders. Then they're empowering you to unfold new potential in your body, to use the impulse from the disease, the dis-ease, to mm -hmm. use that impulse to transform and to change the shape of your being. Usually it's an expansive process. Mm -hmm. and you expand into new territory, new awareness, new sensations, mm -hmm. new clarity, and then you come back to functionality, but you're not the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have a new relationship to the universe and to your friends and to your mm -hmm. life. And, yeah. you know, you might, you might make new decisions. You might, you know, throw out old clothes. You might not like hot dogs anymore. Mm -hmm. you, might, you might start chanting as a new, something that really empowers you to chant or read. Or mm -hmm. you might, you know what I mean? You have new okay. qualities of being. Yeah. And the, the the shift from your old way of being to through the liquid state into a new way of being definitely requires some, I don't want to call it downtime, but it's like definitely requires mm, giving yourself new space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. You need to give yourself space to become the new thing. So, and, and you'll be using different muscles in your body that your, the impulses will run through your nerves differently. Your voice can change the whole, there's many things can really be extraordinarily different and you're inside. So you change with it, but the people outside of you will notice the changes. And the, the great thing about that is really no matter how much you change, you don't have to worry about that all your friends will leave or anything like that because uh, because they pretty much get used to your new shape mm -hmm. within a couple of weeks. It just it becomes the new normal for them. Okay. So you're so you're a new person really, mm -hmm. but they but they get used to the new person. And sometimes sometimes you do lose a friend. Mm -hmm. And has anybody ever, because of evolutionary change, lost a, a friend? Have you ever lost? So look around. You can see mm -hmm. that it's, yeah, mm -hmm. thank you. But at the same time, what I've discovered is that there's new friends waiting for you right around right around the expansion corner. Yeah, cool. And yeah, isn't well, that amazing? I, yeah, I thank you very much for it. I thank you, Clinton. And, and Chloe, she was part of that because we were on Saturday together with her. And my daughter, of course, and my husband. It's um, I find it very exciting. I find it exciting, and I don't have worries about it all. But I just found it quite strange this heaviness. That was really my question. But thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, let's. I want to check in with everybody here about a thing like that also, mm, because when the when the virus lockdown hit, many of us stopped 
and um, this, you know, we had appointments or we had plans and they were canceled or tickets were canceled or mm -hmm. we had to really stop and stay where we were. And in that, in that first few weeks, um, how many people noticed themselves being more tired than they thought? so that their body was actually going, please stop, please stop before, but we didn't notice it. But when we, when we stopped, it was all of a sudden, we could, how many people could feel like it took two or three weeks of really sleeping, more sleep? Okay, looks like about half. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah, so that was, that was a similar kind of thing mm -hmm. where, where, um, where, because of the shift, you know, because of the change of plans or the change of conditions, we became, we adapted into the new reality, but, it, but the tiredness was part of the shift process, mm -hmm. you know, the actually needing to rest more. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Sarah, were you going to say something or did I? Just that, just that, um, speaking from a physiological standpoint it makes sense that there would be heaviness because the the way that their body does brain surgery and changes those connections is by putting us in a sleep state so it makes sense that if if there's a lot of change happening in your body that your body is needing time or the body's needing time to to um to, to really have that system be operative which is a sleep system mm -hmm. thank you yeah so it's all of this, the speaking that we've just been doing has prepared us for the section that we'll be reading today in the Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love or Building Love, the last book. It's on page 55, section 3B called Getting Through Patriarchal Defenses. So the whole, the whole section is about change. It's really about becoming free of a thing that's been forming us or shaping us for our whole life. And it's a huge, huge, um, very deep and, and um, almost cellular level change process that is part of this shift into a new way of relating with each other, is to escape the patriarchal context of relating and enter something that is we're still even developing the language for how to speak about it. So I'll just start reading. Questioning the patriarchy from within the patriarchy is not allowed by the rules of the patriarchy. Like the patriarchy is not designed to subvert itself, whereas next culture is. Next culture is designed to empower people to be subversive. It's one of the great, I love it about next culture. I love the empowerment of, of subversiveness. Slipping outside the thought control of the rules of patriarchy is not possible, but also not very likely. It requires that you look at what you are looking with to look at what you are looking with. There's a, a great website called Self-Observation. It's about splitting your attention and using part of your attention to move it outside 
of your box, you know, your, your, your survival strategy, move it outside and turn your attention around and look at yourself called self-observation. The, the difficulty in self-observation for us, the way we've been trained, is to observe neutrally. Because most of the time, we're so critical of ourselves. We almost, as soon as we see anything about ourselves that might be considered to be strange or different or wrong, we, we, we add in bad, stupid, um, ignorant, um, dangerous, like, and so, so we put in this criticism in our self-observation. That's not self-observation, that's just masochism. And there's enough masochism going on already that we're not promoting that. So, so please, when you do the practice, it can't be overstressed, is to, when you observe anything about yourself, when you, when you split your attention and observe what you look, look at, what you're looking with, and you see something, that's shocking or that surprises you or just stay neutral, stay absolutely neutral about it. And one of the ways I do that is a trick. I don't think it's in here. I learned it from a, I learned it a long time ago. It's called, you say, oh. So you see something about yourself and you you say, oh. And when you say, oh, it's like a, a, the, the letter O which is a, a space with nothing in the middle. It's like a zero. It's like the number O is also the, the number zero. And it's a space with nothing in it. So when you see the thing, you, you say O, and it makes this O, there's a nothing in there. And so that all the stories that, might, that you might have about criticizing yourself or judging yourself or you know, belittling yourself or excluding yourself or trying to say that you're, you know, punish yourself or what you just, you just put it in the middle of the O and it just vanishes because there's nothing there. So you, you just do O. So when you, whenever you notice you something, you just go O and you notice it, that's all. And you notice the whole thing of it. You, you, you notice all the dimensions of it. So what it, where it came from, what it causes, what triggered it, what, you, what kind of benefit you get for your gremlin, like all those things, you just notice them and just keep going, oh, oh. And it isn't like, oh, or oh my, or any of those oh kind of things. It's just simply neutral, oh, like that. So to get out of the patriarchy requires looking at what you're looking with, which is the self-observation. As a daily experiment, you can begin simply noticing the ordinary details of your life with a different set of eyes. Shift your intention so that instead of observing things from the normal perspective, as if you are the patriarchy, use the subversive perspective of noticing the insinuations of the patriarchy itself. This experiment is simple and yet deceptively difficult. Self-ratifying, like self-approving or self-justifying patriarchal assumptions are the patriarchy's first defense. I mean, if you look at, if you just look at 
the operations of patriarchal government these days. I mean, it's like these self-ratifying, self-justifying um, behaviors or assumptions is the patriarchy's first defense. It is not questionable. It is unquestionable like that. It is shocking to recognize how thoroughly our perceptions are captured when we are born into a worldview beyond which our parents cannot see. I just want to read that one again. It is shocking to recognize how thoroughly our perceptions are captured when we're born into a worldview beyond which our parents cannot see. So, I mean, my parents were like that. Um, I remember the day that uh, my mother <clears throat> uh, brought me in to get registered to vote. It was in California. And <clears throat> she said, you have to decide if you're a Republican or a Democrat. And so my response was, well, which ones are you and dad? And she goes, well, we're Republican. Okay. I said, I'll be Democrat. And I had no idea what I was even talking about. I only knew it had to be different from what they said. That's all. <clears throat> she got totally hooked. I mean, she was like, she wouldn't talk to me for a couple of weeks. It was just like, I had no idea what was going on. But anyway, it didn't matter anyway, because anybody I ever voted for, like I voted, I think, three times in America. Everybody I voted for never got elected. I just stopped voting. They just, they just always picked the wrong guy. So my vote didn't count very much. So, but if your parents don't ask questions about what's going on, how can you? You get that? We're not trained to subvert the patriarchy. We're not trained to question reality or trained to question what people think is reality. You know, one of the things you learn in possibility management and in this book is that you build up a worldview and from about five meters back, it looks real. But if you walk up close to it, you get in with, within one arm's reach of the side of your reality, and you take your finger and push on this the thing that looks like a wall or a rule or a barrier or something solid, you just push on it and it goes right through. It's tissue paper. The whole thing is constructed out of tissue paper. It's a painted on thing on this paper wall thin. It's, you just walk up and, but you have to get close enough to it to do that. So like my parents never did that. I don't know if you guys' parents did that. And if you did, I would consider you lucky, but at the same time, maybe it was crazy making. I mean, some people kind of neurotically question everything and that's also crazy making. I mean, in case you ever tried to be a parent, or a good parent, you can forget it. It's, there's no way you can ever be a good parent. You know, it's you're gonna fuck it up one way or another. Your kids will always have something to complain about. So do what you can. I mean, do a good job, but there's no way to ever really be a good parent. You just have to try, try your best. Anyway, but if you're born into a worldview beyond which your parents cannot see, they can't see beyond their worldview. They don't, they don't hold it that other worldviews are possible. How can you? So you, this is why you guys are all my friends. This is why you guys are my heroes. Because somehow you got to the edge of modern culture. 
somehow you have worked your way out of this prison, this like, this like, it's like a this spaghetti. It's like you're in a straitjacket inside of a prison cell, inside of a con compound, you know, inside of a of a of a cellar in the basement of some dungeon, and you've you've worked yourself out of all of that to to make time and space to have this conversation on the edge of the existing culture. This is you guys. This is who you are, and I think sometimes you forget that. I think sometimes out here when the atmosphere is there's not so much oxygen out here. There's also not so much smog out here. But anyway, there's not so much oxygen out here. It's like, it's because you're farther up the mountain. You're just at a higher altitude. So you, you, there are different, it's a different way to live at the edge of the culture than in the middle of the culture. You don't get to stay asleep. You don't get to not question things. You don't get to pretend like everything's okay or everything's going to be okay. You don't get to pretend like, the government is going to take care of you or has your best interest at heart because it you know none of that stuff is true so so you're out here at the edge and it's because um that because you have made the effort nobody can do that for you you know nobody can can liberate you from a worldview you have to do it yourself it isn't it isn't, and it isn't about brainwashing yourself. It's about, it's about facing the, there's a narrow gap between consequences, like consequences are real. Well, luckily we live in this responsible universe where every action has the consequence. And if you try to, if you try to put a belief system over it, like, like, if I invest in IBM Corporation, I will have enough money to retire and have a good life. You know, if you, if you, if you do that kind of an action in the world, it's far away from reality. It's really a huge gap from reality. But if you get up close, then you'll notice that every action, even a small action, has a direct and immediate reaction. And it's that's the place where magic happens. That's the place where we're getting to in the book about relationship and communication and connection and negotiating intimacy and dodging um, accidental assumptions about what other person thinks or says or feels. You know, like this is where the reality has is a very, very fine woven universe of actions and reactions so um, so so to to find that you've had to do that yourself you've had to work your way out of this fogginess into uh being at the edge of the culture and and um be responsible for it you don't you can't blame anyone else for that you are under your own recognizance out here and this is this wonderful place where you get to choose and you can't blame anybody for your choices where there's no one you can hide behind so that's but your parents i don't know my parents were not like that i don't know what your parents were like but <clears throat> to get yourself where you are right now you you guys are my heroes i keep reading we receive the patriarchy's assumptions at the same time that we receive breast milk from our mother. 
parentheses, or whatever the patriarchy is selling to mothers for baby food these days, end parentheses. Patriarchal attitudes come so early and are integrated so tightly into our identity that we forget our ability to seriously question the patriarchy. We have been hypnotized. Your experiment is to wake yourself up. The practice of simply noticing holds within it the motionless and inescapable power of awareness. But only if the noticing is neutral, is what we were talking about before. Completely without judgment, simply noticing the patriarchy's intimate influence in your life step by step loosens its personal grip on you. Over time, you gain the sensitivity to distinguish between unconscious patriarchal habits and an abundance of alternative options. In the moment that you can actually take actions that are outside the patriarchal framework, the patriarchy becomes irrelevant. You don't have to fight the patriarchy. I wish we could spread that idea around to the Extinction Rebellion, for example. You know, the Extinction Rebellion would fly if they got that one thing. You don't, the moment you can take actions that are outside the patriarchal framework, the patriarchy itself becomes irrelevant because you step into the domain of creation. You become at source for creating. <clears throat> the fact that questioning patriarchal assumptions is unlikely does not mean that you should not try to do it. To establish and maintain an extraordinary life and profound intimacy with your partner, some new ideas can be very helpful, including ideas that lie outside the reality boundaries of the patriarchy. But asking after such ideas may produce surprising consequences. For example, your inquiry may attract answers, and the answers are not guaranteed to be pain-free. So that's what we were talking about, the sadness that came up for you that you talked about. Yeah, you were, you were checking at the edge, you found some answers, and the, the, the thing that's so fantastic about learning this stuff about how to feel conscious feelings is that when that when this pain comes instead of completely just overwhelming you and go oh my god i'm i'm collapsed i'm i'm non-functional whatever you go this is sadness this is my sadness and you go into the sadness and 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 tumble with it you just wash with the sadness and while doing that you own it you, you, it becomes you. You take responsibility for this huge domain of sadness that we have inside of ourselves. And then, and, and it's not pain free, but we're not a victim of the pain because it's just sadness. This is where clarity is, uh, conquers your first enemy on the path. The clarity that it's just sadness. So, how has it come to pass that the patriarchy dominated our thinking? What other kinds of thinking are there? 
how has the patriarchy been allowed to continue? And why have we impoverished ourselves by handing our creative authority over to the patriarchy? I'd say these are really excellent questions. So the next section is called misidentification. Similar questions are pondered in the field of exopsychology, which is the study of the origin and evolution of psychology in the universe. So let's see. Don't conclude that psychology is unique to human beings. Any species of creature on any planet that identifies itself within a single body, in other words, not like an anthill, you know, an anthill is kind of like one consciousness with the queen and all the workers and the soldier ants. It's like one kind of consciousness. So that, that's a different thing. But, but if you have a consciousness that, that evolves a neurological system that's complex enough to sustain self-awareness, it will naturally start off with a psychology that functions just like ours. Doesn't matter what planet they're on. So, how has the patriarchy been tolerated? One of the mechanisms is through misidentification. We adopt the classic rituals of the patriarchy, including scarcity-based competition and hierarchical power structures through two basic misidentifications. First, misidentification with the body, I am my body, and the second, with a misidentification with the mind. I am my mind. So these are the first two basic misidentifications. As babies, we notice physical sensations. We feel warm, cold, pain, and pleasure. We see sights, hear sounds, smell smells, taste flavors, and feel textures. We wish to move, and our body moves. We drink, eat, fart, pee, and poop. Without question or doubt, we make our first unconscious misidentification, I am my body. Identifying with our body orients us toward fighting to compete for any resources that the body needs. Months and years pass. Our certainty about who we are is not shaken. Then we notice that we also have thoughts and feelings. We acquire language. We take on opinions and start to figure things out. We give and ask for reasons and communication starts working. We get offended and our body responds emotionally. Experiencing our own thoughts, feelings, and reactions catalyzes our second unconscious misidentification. I am my mind. So I would call it, you know, our box. I am my box. Identifying with our mind orients us toward rigid structures for organizational power, such as in hierarchies. The purpose of the misidentification is originally noble, our own survival. So I want to just say that a different way. You have made efforts to survive this far. You could easily have had an accident, quote unquote, and you would not be surviving. 
you could easily have died, but you have taken care of yourself. And that's a noble thing. So I, I want that somehow to sink in because some of us have made pretty desperate moves to survive. Like we suffered kind of an immense amount of ignobility, like uh, in being insulted, being abandoned, being betrayed, being rejected, being deceived, like all these things. We have, we have suffered that from individuals and from organizations in society. We've suffered that in order to survive. So, so you stayed alive. And the thing in you that has wanted to live, it has a clarity and a voice. And I don't want to go there right now, but I just want you to know that that's where we're going. I want to, we're talking to that part of you that wanted to stay alive because you because life is something for you. Like life has something for you. You have something for life. There's, it was not your efforts to survive were noble because nobody else could do that for you. Nobody else could stay alive for you. You know, they can protect you or take care of you, but it's, it's easy to lose life if you're not careful. So you were careful. And I just, <clears throat> I'd like you to appreciate that about yourself. I appreciate that about you. I'd like you to appreciate that about yourself, that it was worth it, that you did the right thing and that you did a good job. And it was noble. It was noble to take care of yourself. So the purpose of these first two misidentifications is noble. It is your own survival. So you took care of your body and you took care of your psychology. You know, if you didn't take care of your psychology, you'd be locked away in some institution with a lot of drugs in your system. But you took care of your psychology also. Using your mind to defend your body obviously helps keep you alive. What is not so evident is that in order to accomplish this most obvious purpose, your physical survival, your misidentification must first accomplish its most fundamental purpose, which is its own continued survival. But that, what I'm saying there in a complicated way is that your box, which is a possibility management term about your psychology, your psychological defense strategy, it thinks that in order to protect you, it should protect itself first. This is why the box is so it's the most powerful, it's the most it's strongest structure in the universe, and it self-repairs. That's why when you're talking about transformation and change and evolution, that 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 um, your 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 whole self-survival strategy will try to protect itself first, because it thinks if it can protect itself, then it can protect you. So. If you're identified with your psychology and your survival strategy, that will make sense. So one of the steps to coming into next culture is disidentification. So we have a website we're working on. I don't know how much is on there, but it's called disidentification between you and your body and between you and your mind, your box. 
because when you have this little gap between you and your psychology, then if your psychology dies, you don't. A friend of mine, Cornelius Butz, he's a trainer in possibility management, lives in near Frankfurt, Germany. We were walking, not last year sometime, taking a walk, and he was explaining to me this meditation process that he was going through when he was in his, a teenager, late teenager, where he first noticed that he could be and not be thinking. He could be present and not, and not have the thoughts. And he was so sure that the moment he stopped thinking, he would die. Anybody else remember that? Do you ever remember thinking the moment when you, when you actually stopped thinking? Do you ever remember that, some of you? Yeah, well, he, he was sure he was going to die. He thought that in order to live, he had to have this radio going on in his brain the whole time. And if they turn the radio off, he would not be there anymore. So it was a very big surprise for him. So that, but then he was able to disidentify with his mind, that even the mind would, would stop or go or do whatever, he wouldn't, he didn't have to go along with it. He had a, a small gap between himself and his mind. That gap is very valuable. The unseen primary objective of misidentification means I am my box, is to continue our misidentification, which means to keep the box alive. As a result of thinking that we are our body and our psychology, we conclude that consciousness comes from us. Extricating ourselves from this conclusion is not promoted by the patriarchy. In fact, the opposite is true. The patriarchy orients us toward fulfilling physical and psychological needs instead of opening to archetypal realities that exist all around us all the time. Uh, I have about a paragraph more to read and then I'd like to stop for some discussion. In the process of exploring radiant joy and brilliant love, we will venture beyond patriarchal limitations. The journey may involve some struggle that we do not gracefully extricate ourselves from the misidentifications confirms the power of the patriarchy. And yet it is possible. Journey starts exactly where we are right now, face to face with some level of commitment to a defensiveness that regards the self that it is defending as a physical body and a psychological construct. Being thus occupied with defending our misidentifications, we are distracted from the bigger possibilities of realizing our true abilities as a man or a woman. And it says right here, there's a special appeal to men of which there are not so many on this conversation right now. Special appeal to men. I hope that many men read this book. We men are handicapped by the patriarchy in profound ways that we do not realize. This chapter especially addresses our responsibilities and our possibilities. Fully discovering and enlivening our expansive birthright as men may include striving to make efforts beyond our father's reach. Reading this book is an effort we can make 
I hope that many men read this book, do experiments, and teach what they learn to their sons and brothers. We have so much to gain from starting over again. I hope many men read this book. Hello, Horatio. Do we hear a few words from you right now? Um, Besides that one. Yeah, it's uh, been going through a bit of a feral mood lately. So coming to the end of it, I think. about it. Thank you. Naomi. Hello. I've been noticing my own um, tendency actually thanks to I've been talking regularly to Nicole and Nicole gave words to something she said giving up on people giving up on people because, well, in my case, because I think that they're never going to learn to communicate in a way that I would like. Um, yeah, and I, I noticed that tendency in myself with my father and kind of also with my boyfriend a little bit, a little bit. Like I, I thought if I keep the hope too much alive, I'm just going to pressure him. <laughs> but um, I've been experimenting a lot and 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 sharing my distinctions about feelings in group settings that we set up and he was also part of that and uh and it's really making a difference sometimes i've felt um afraid and insecure of living in places where i feel that i'm not mirrored in in what i'm um researching but the cool thing about that is that i can then learn to establish it here and it's super challenging sometimes but um, but things are changing and I'm also getting feedback that I'm changing and that is, we were reading the circle building website about legend making and I'm seeing that that is building trust and interest and, and giving me some kind of like way to be able, I feel now if I speak about something about possibility management, I notice the space that I speak into in my boyfriend, for example, is different before I couldn't even speak or find my words. And I was so sure that it also had to do with the listener. And now something shifted and now it's just completely different. Now I have like an audience in him and he's actually interested. So I'm super thankful to experience that something is possible. Thank you. I'd like to give you, I'd like to share something and Chloe and I have, have figured out a clear way to describe recently. And it came out of her rage clubs and the rage clubs that we did in, in Brazil when we were there. And the, what it is is that there's a kind of, at first it's almost despair, but then there, there comes a kind of rage or 
almost a feeling of being deceived that we had we ex came here expecting to find something we came here wanting it to be a certain way and and it's a, a good way it's a it's a excellent way it's a way that it can be justified it's a good way so so we're, we feel validated in trying to look for that good thing to exist in the world. And I, I went on this journey for a long time to try to, I was in projects, I was, went to Central America, I was arrested trying to set up an alternative community on, on an island called Roatan off the coast of Honduras. I, like I've, I've been on different projects, even trying to, find this thing that I wanted to be involved in. And what we've discovered is that this thing that you came here looking for is the thing you came here to create. And if you, if you put that on, like, uh, I don't know, you put that on as part of your field, if you start wearing that, it's a different perspective. And then when you see that it doesn't exist in a certain space or a certain quality of relationship or in a, in a certain domain, you see it does not exist, then you go, ah, that's what I'm here for. So you don't, you no longer suffer disappointment. What you, what you, what you encounter is basically instructions for the next job on your bench. Here's the job on your bench. You know, build it here. Create the game world that people can come in where that's the context. Put that as the context in the in the bridge that you're building, or the the um, the organization that you're creating, or the the um, the what do you call it? It's like the game world is the best description I can think of. It's like how you know if you don't build the new game worlds, nobody can play in them. So, so when you see what needs to be built, then build it. And it's, if you go there and it's not built already, it doesn't, that's how it's supposed to be. Nothing is wrong. You came here, you see it's not built. Your job is to build it. It isn't to go complain that it's not built or feel bad that it's not built. Your job is to build it. You have work to do. You have a job job security, build the thing, and then teach other people how to build the thing. Part of building that thing is teaching other people how to re how to also build the thing. You empower other people to build their thing or their part of your thing. And that this is this is how it goes. So, and I, I wanna add one thing, Naomi, which is your parents are not a job on your bench. Your dad is not a job on your bench. You're, our parents are our ancestors. They are behind us. So when you move out of your parents' house when you're 18 to 20 years old and you go through getting out of the prison of your parents' bubble, their framework, and you escape from that prison of being in your culture of your parents, the money of your parents, the rules of your parents, the belief system of your parents, when you get out of that, the religion of your parents, then they are behind you. And then, then you don't have to talk to them anymore. You don't have, there's no way you're going to teach your dad how to talk to you. 
there's not a job on your bench. So, so your bench is clean. When you put your parents behind you, they are your ancestors. You would not be here except that they were there. Okay, end of story. That's the end of the story. You have your jobs in front of you and those you can do, those you will have power in. They will listen to you. They will do the experiments that you invite them to. Your parents, forget it. You know, they're behind you. Let them be behind you. And it is a celebration to put your parents behind you. There's really a celebration. And everybody here in this room, it's time to do that. You know, it's, it's our time to put your, you don't have to figure your parents out. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to justify them. You don't have to explain them nothing. You just put them behind you. You go, thank you. You remember one thing that you can, you can admire and respect about each one of your parents. And then when somebody says, hey, what about your dad? You say, my dad, when I was six years old, he came to me. I'll tell you a true story with my dad. I was probably, I don't know, 19 years old. I came home from college for spring break or something like Easter break. And it was my birthday then. My birthday's around Easter. So my dad, he came to me and, and he says, what kind of birthday cake do you want? Okay, okay, I'm going like, my dad is not a baker of, of birthday cakes. You know, he does not, he doesn't know. He can make fried eggs or pancakes, he cannot. So I go, I just didn't want to answer him. He goes, no, really, what kind of birthday cake do you want? So I just reached into my gremlin and I say, I want, I want a caramel filled chocolate birthday cake. He says, okay, he gets on his bicycle he drives to some bakery and he comes back with a caramel filled chocolate cake for me. That's my dad. So this is a story that I will tell you about my dad. That's who he is for me. It's one thing I can admire and respect about my dad. I will not tell you about all this shit that he did with my mom or my brothers or his life. I won't tell you that stuff. My dad is my ancestor. This is who he is for me. He, he just sh magically showed up with this caramel-filled chocolate cake on my birthday, and I'll never forget it. So that's what you need. You need one thing that you can truly admire and respect, a simple, real thing. And then you're free of your parents forever. This one thing, you can be free of your parents forever and put them behind you. So that's, I wanted to say that. Thank you, Naomi. Go ahead, Naomi. Well, yeah, what you said sparked like a question of, is it an illusion that you could raise your children in a way that they experience it less as a prison? It's a wild question upon which I have speculated for many decades. And I did experiments in my life because both of my daughters were born at home. They were home birthed. I'll tell you something that's wild. I am an excellent placenta cook. We ate both placentas. I can make placenta and onions that will just make your mouth water. So I'm serious. 
So we home home birthed the kids and their entire lives, they were unschooled. I, I used to think it was homeschooling, but I later figured out that the kids were smarter than we were and they, you know, trying to follow some program that was designed by some some company as a as a mail order school program was just insane it was just was not there was no connection between that and reality i was more fascinated by the biology books than my daughters were and i'm sitting there going god they they've improved the the microscopes tenfold you know in my biology book in college i remember we could see this part of the cell and here it's 10 times this is so amazing my daughter's looking at me go dad you know go do that on your own time I'm, i've got stuff to do so 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 our both my daughters were homeschooled or unschooled and so one of them decided to go to life go to school and because her friends were at school she said dad i want to go to school she was like 15 years old or something like that. She'd never been in school before. She just wanted to go see what it was because her friends were at school. And so after three months, she came and said, Dad, I don't want to go to school anymore. And I said, okay, okay, why don't you want to go to school? And she goes, Dad, those kids, they don't know who they are. And, and if I go to school, I don't have time for my life. So I'm, I'm not going to school anymore. And I'm, you know, so, so this this is um but you know when i got divorced from their mom they were 18 and 21 years old and they hated me for 10 years they wouldn't talk to me for 10 years so uh, so you know i can't say that it, there there is a way to raise children where where it works out you know like it's all fine it doesn't i wouldn't say that so um but but if you if like for example um i was just talking to somebody i've talked every now and then some parent will call us up and say i have to talk to you about my daughter or my son they are drinking alcohol they are arguing with us all the time they're fighting with us all the time they hate going to school they're cutting themselves they're stealing money, they're taking drugs. What should I do? I can't even talk to them. And so the answer that I give is, your child knows that every day they spend in school is one less day they have to prepare themselves for what's coming. They know what's coming. And school is, is a, a kind of a death sentence. So this, the rage at school does not require, you know, this, this kind of attention deficit syndrome that's common at school is, is not solved by drugs. It's solved by taking your kids out of school. And so the answer or the invitation I, that I make is the challenge that I make for the parents is take your kids immediately, starting tomorrow, out of school, take away their phone and their computer, buy one-way tickets to North Thailand, and go live in the hill tribes for a year with your kid. And, and so about 12 of the parents have done that so far, and they do it. The last one was a woman who took her son to 
uh, an island in Tonga. And it was just before the hurricanes hit last year, early in the year or something, there was this, or the year before, there was this huge hurricane hit there, just wiped the village out. And they spent months helping the village. The, her son was rebuilding the village with everybody. He got a new life. So every single time that the parent has done that has been a victory. It's been a glorious victory for love and connection and potential unfolding and presence and joy. And like the, um, and we keep getting thank you letters from years ago when they keep saying, you saved, you saved my kid, you saved our relationship. Our whole lives changed when we did that. So this is a way, and it involves throwing yourself into a transformational environment, an emergent space. To be in an emergent space is in a space that is not predictable. You cannot predict how it, what comes next. This is an emergent space. So the emotional, Nicole, I see your hand, I'll be there in a second. The emotional healing processes that you do with each other cannot be known ahead of time. There is no method. So we, we have the website called Process. It is not describing a method. It's describing a space of invitation, a space of possibility, a space of evolution. There's no method. And so emergent space is you throw your, yourself and your child into ongoing emergent spaces. Welcome to life. Welcome back to life. You free yourself at the same time you free your kid from, from the illusion. It's called disillusionment. If you continue to disillusion yourself, what your, your child will be, have this joyful, you know, you're still there. You don't go away. And it's an emergent, evolving space where aliveness is happening day to day, minute to minute, unpredictable aliveness is happening. So this is, um, this is how I would do it. This is how I recommend it. So that's a big answer to a big question. So uh, Nicole, you had your hand up and, and Naomi, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Nicole, are you um, there? Uh-huh. I'm looking for possibilities for when your son is 28 and is Did you using... speak in the I form? I you said your for... son and yeah. I don't have a Thank son. You. Okay. I'm looking for possibilities. My son is... Did you also have the feeling while you're talking? Okay, there's a big feeling right there and just have the feeling while you're talking to us, okay? It's a safe place. Go ahead. You're doing great. I'm feeling so sad and scared because my son who's 28 is using drugs and his gremlin is is pulling us all into his under into the underworld and I'm looking for possibilities Nicole I've I've been aware of this situation going on for, with you for a while, I'd say a month maybe, that I've been aware of it. And I'm also aware that some doors have been opened for you about that. And 
Um, my question then is, what's blocking you from going through those doors? Just leave I your mic on. I think um, I see so many doors. I don't, I'm scared to go through the wrong one. You say more about that. I see doors that are about doing something and I see doors that are just about processes. And I've been picking the processes doors and then I end up um, in situations with him and I get hooked. And, and now an another person, his dad, is around at least having conversations with me. And I think I, I, all these feelings come up, but I, I just, I'm, maybe I'm trying to just stay liquid and, and see which doors Echo pushes me through toward. Let's look at this a different way, okay? And it's not okay. going to be a really pretty way to look at it. But you're a smart person. You're really difficult to keep challenged. You have, you're very creative, very clear. You have a lot of power and you've got, I don't know what game words you're, you're building, but I don't think you're using your, your, I don't want to say the word potential really, but you have this huge amount of energy and clarity and commitment and momentum. You have this huge amount of really amazing power. And um, I don't, I don't think you're putting it to good use. So it's going out sideways. Is that, so it's just you're bored, basically. You've been bored. And so you had to come up with a drama that's big enough to, to match the energy you have. Does this make any sense so far? Yeah. Right. So the, all that, all that, like, you're a leader type person. You have this amazing sort of clarity. You have this huge amount of love going through archetypal principle of love. You've got this commitment ability. You have this vision. Okay, all of, all of that could be going somewhere. And it's not. And this, okay, that, that, so, but it's gotta go somewhere. So what I'm saying is that all you've done is invented this, this huge low drama out of nothing, actually, to um, occupy yourself, to like basically use. So, so, how, so what if you went sideways, which turns out to be straight? Like, in term, like if you went sideways from your whole life right now, if you could just walk out the side door of that room that you're in and enter an entire open world, 
where you could create anything, what would you create? Without editing what you're gonna say. Just when you ask that question, it's, it's a whole like, massive thing comes, comes yes. right in around me. And, and what is it? Where is it? What's out that side door? Just, just speak before you think. What is out the side door? I, I, I can't tell. It's something. It's like something. What does it look like out there? I can already see it from here. Okay, so don't pretend like you can't see it. Just tell us what it is. I, I, I don't know. Don't, don't think I'm pretending. If you're in a nice house, you're wearing nice clothes, you know, you're in, you're in Canada, a nice country. Okay, you're gonna walk sideways. The whole thing's a construct. You've got a construct within a construct within a construct. You're going to walk sideways out of all those doors and you're going to build this, what you came here to build. What is it? A, a, road, a road trip. Okay. To, for where to, with? That, that, takes me, that takes me to find the villagers. Okay. Good. How are you going to let them know you're around? How are you going to paint the picture for them? Telling you do stories. That? Okay. Inviting them to spaces. Good. What's the name of the village? Possibilica. <laughs> well, then you have a job. So, so, okay. So that would use well it would well you would be well used on that path so you would leave behind a hell world and enter a hell world but you would it would be a different one it would be how, one where you're huh how what? how how my my gremlin or she something said. my box my box says how is that being a responsible mother? Nicole. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Your job being mother ended 10 years ago. There are several women nodding their heads yes on this screen. I can see it. Your job as mother ended 10 years ago. You are dragging yourself through this shit just because just because you have so much energy and you're just using up, it's like a sea anchor. You're using your sun as a sea anchor. You know what a sea anchor is? It's some blob of shit you throw up behind your sailboat to slow yourself down, to use up energy. It's like flaps on an airplane. Your air brakes, you're using your sun as air brakes. Just because you don't have a, a game world to build with all that energy, you're just using it up in the shit world. Your job as a mother ended 10 years ago. What the hell are you doing? Thank you. Is your husband going with you on the road trip? 
I don't have a husband. Okay. Well then, do you own that house you're in? No, I'm house sitting here. So do you have a bunch of stuff somewhere? Not much. Put a carry-on bag together, get out of there tomorrow. Just no explanations. Look at that. No explanations. D don't tell anybody. Just hit the road. Like you're your like what do you think? What do you think Echo? They're up there. Echo, the Earth Coincidence Control Office. They are up there going, what is Nicole doing? God, why? We have such great jobs for her. And she's she's like going, it's like toilet diving. I mean, it's like, God, there's this whole, there's so much stuff to change right now in the world. The entire context of modern culture needs to die. It's dead already. It's a dinosaur, but it needs to be abandoned. And so be an abandoner, like, like hit the road and abandon the, the fucking construct that's destroying life on planet Earth. Like get out like take, and take as many people with you as you can. I mean, that's what you're talking about. And it, it's a positive thing. It isn't going away from something. You're building the path the way. You're building into what, what you came here to build. That's what, you're, that's what it's here for. So, you know, you don't have to work as next Monday, you can be at some cafe in where Michelle is in Mexico. You can, you can already be in Mexico or, or Amanda's on here sometimes. She's in Costa Rica. She's, she's not on this call tonight, but she, there's a place for you waiting in Costa Rica. There's places in Brazil, but don't go there now. Janet's, Janet's in Texas, whatever. So Florida, they have space in Florida for you. I just see it right here from Shannon. And so there's, um, we're in Crete. We have a spare room right over here. Right now, we're not gonna be here for much longer, but that, that nobody's used that room for the whole time we were here. We're just waiting for you and you were doing whatever, I don't know. So, so any questions? Well, no, Seattle, there's What? You should not read the chat lines. 30, there's 30 things on the chat line now. Half of them are invitations for you to come somewhere. Vera and Eula are on the road right now. You know who Vera and Eula are? They're, they're other possibilities. They're already possibilities. So they're on the road and they're, they're asking, Eula's going to Kathmandu, she just said. And <laughs> okay. we, we like Kathmandu. They have really good Sampa and Tukpa in Kathmandu, so. Okay, look out for me. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, thank, thank, thank the Holy Spirit. Martina, you have about one minute either Martina or Vera and wait, Vera and Eula, wait, tell us what, give us a report quick. You have 30 seconds and then 30 seconds for Martina. Hello, Mark son, I see you there. Nice to see you. <laughs> we are calling from the future. It's a place in Germany that is not in Germany. It's just in a land where other people call Germany. 
and uh, people are, are building and gardening and um, celebrating in a different way. Yeah, and there are kids around and they have such an amazing kids culture. It's really cool. I don't know where your microphone is. I don't know. Yeah, we hear you. Okay. Yeah, the kids are running around a lot and they're free and they have lives. And they gardened, wow. they, they collected the food from the gardens for dinner that we're going to have. What's the name of the place? Wir bauen Zukunft. We build the future. Building the future. So you are from the future. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Martina, anything? I had uh, this experience of um, being without thinking after a process uh, with Aunt Chloe some weeks before, and it was about um, stopping doing things that people like me. And this experience of being without thinking is like losing the ground and falling. It was really, yeah. It's an experience. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, being in that experience is when you discover that human beings are designed to fly. Human beings are designed to fly, but you have to have groundlessness to find that out. All right, we're about ready to bring this to official close. Does anybody want to say anything right now? Like some time, like after the close. Okay. Sophia Magdalena, you have this uh, Cheshire cat grin on your face. What is that about? It's amazement and it's, it's a big, huge yes to the future and to work. Thank you. She's got the answer to how. The answer <laughs> to how is yes. Yes. <laughs> and look at her. <laughs> Alrighty then. So we'll stick around a little while for anybody who wants to hang around. The official study group is over and we'll just hang out a bit. But whenever you need to go, just wave your hand and we'll see you later. Ingrid, what are you thinking about? Uh, thank you for the part when you said uh, mother time is finished at a certain moment. I, when I was uh, maybe 16 years old, my parents fo followed me uh, so that I didn't notice it to my boyfriend at this time. And they thought he was dangerous for me. And then they tried to, to speak to me and I, and I said, uh, stop doing this. Keep, uh, trust your own education when I was younger and stop doing this. This I wanted to say to Nicole. So uh, I was, yeah, my parents accepted that. And I was very grateful for that. Hmm. Thank you. Shannon, you have something cooking? Yes. Um, I'm deciding on whether to, you know, like bring Nicole here or go or let her stay here and go to Devin's community. Like I've got all kinds of things cooking right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing all kinds of possibilities. <clears throat> Very thank nice. You, yeah, thank you. Mark, how about you? What's up? What's up in your in your spaceship there? <clears throat> um not that I think when I got on the call, well, different mark, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just saying, um, is a, an American mantra that sabotages <laughs> creative thought and changes you into a zombie. So whenever somebody says, um, you know, there's, there's a zombie tendency. You have to really watch out for that. So uh, this is not a call space for zombies. And I know that you're not a zombie. So I'm just hoping that your prayer was fake, that it was a fake um sound that you made. I see that we fry the circuits in the Mark Sun department, which was not our intention, but okay. All right, Mark, if you come back, let us hear from you. Was there something up for anybody else? Okay, see you guys. Bye, Vera, bye, Yule. Thank you. I have something. Yeah, Sarah, go. Um. When um, Nicole was speaking, I felt anger. Now I feel fear. Um, I have a story about Nicole that's possibly more a story about me. Um, if I put the, the poop of that on the table, um, my story is uh, that I sometimes give my, I find myself often giving my center up to possibility management and that I want possibility management to rescue me and take responsibility for my life and my choices and to have all the answers. And if I just become a good enough possibility management devotee, that somehow my future will work out right. And, um, and I lose my center in that process and then get all crazy and get all dependent and um, frightened and confused. And um, so a lot of, a lot of, this first ride with possibility management for me has been sort of noticing, oh, I've given my center up to possibility management. What what does my heart really say? Yeah. And that's a scary process, uh, or a scary. Um, it, it, it I go in and out of oh, this has something for me, and um, and I and I like where this is going, and oh my god, I got to run away from this because it's taking me over, and I'm letting it take me over. Um, so that's that's my response. I don't know if there's anything in that for Nicole, but um, I'm grateful for the the, the hands up, the the the, um, the fingers that just went in the air to say and um, uh, and and just the chance to, to voice that is like a, a struggle that I'm in and out of right now. Wow. And Chloe. Yeah, I I don't know if it's really um any anyway it's not really particular for for you sarah i think it's something that i just said this impulse of there's huge amounts of clarity in, in possibility management clarity that blows most people's mind it has blown my mind 
more than once. And at the same time, my own experience came from doing feelings work before getting any clarity. And yes. so therefore my first experience was I did really, really high intensity anger. And, and the anger is about the clarity of keeping your center and keeping your space and, and making, I was just in a process with a woman the other day and, and she was like, how do I, how do I keep my space? Well, I said, well, whose space is it? And she was like, how do I take my space? And I, whose space is it? Okay, there was a 20 minute conversation going back and forth before she got, God, this is my space. This is my space. And, I, and this is it. Mom, you're not allowed in my space ever again. You try to come and I kill you. And it sounds like it's really hard to say that on a recording because somebody's going to hear it and just be like, God, those people are crazy. But energetically, that's the level of this, how, this is how precious my space is. Mm-hmm. If, if I don't kill you, you kill me, really. Because mm-hmm. anybody who comes in my space will eat it and abuse it and take my center and my mind and my feelings and the whole thing. And so I would... I feel so glad to hear and I am like so kind of inspired and impressed that so many people are going through so many processes and I would make an invitation to get yourself in some rage clubs, like two hours rage club, even if it's online or even on like physically, if you can, and to have that experience. Is Martina still on the call? Is Martina still here? Okay, so I won't tell a story if it's her story to tell. So I won't. But there's this experience of experiencing anger in a particular space in a partic- for a particular reason. For example, to make a boundary or to take your center back or make, take your life back and take your space back that then it's, it's there. You don't have to say it over and over again. When the boundary is made, the boundary is made. And it changes your being and your the shape of your being, which is what the universe at large, but also what people re- like uh, interact with. And so I've had the experience for the first 25 years of my life of um, men and women and authority figures just m- trying to manipulate me or convince me or f- scare me. Or, and, and now people, most people don't even try. And it's because that boundary is so in me that they feel it and they like, and so they don't even go there. So, and that, and that would happen also for any work that I'm in, like possibility management and, or like other, other contexts. So I, I would, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to add, Sarah, for me, I'm so happy to hear you be able to verbalize the conflict or the experience of encountering the by now pretty massive body of distinctions and tools and uh, processes and things from possibility management um, as this challenge of to not give your center away to the to that because um, it's I have myself uh, been involved in that exact same challenge in various, it's like the learning spiral 
you know, where you, you have this unconscious incompetence and then you get conscious about your incompetence and then you practice and practice and then you have conscious competence and then pretty soon it integrates in and you have unconscious competence and then you're back over the same territory again and you go, oh my God, I was already here. I should have learned this already. I already thought I had this but you're at the same territory, but at an, a new level of competence to get. And so I've been around this exact, uh, pretty exact same challenge of being involved in, um, you know, I'm jacked into these bright principles, just like many of you are. You have your own bright principles that you're jacked into, and also jacked into this archetypal lineage that you all have waiting for you. And you're waiting, um, and then Chloe, you could say that, okay? Tell, pe or, um, tell people about the bright principle thing afterwards. Anyway, so, so I've been through this thing and I'm so happy to share my suffering or my confusion or my embarrassment or hopelessness or whatever to of this thing about what is the balance like who has the power here really? Like, do I give my do I give my center way to this already existing body of of um, powerful distinctions and stuff? Do I give my center way to that, or do I hang out here in the unknown at the edge and really don't know anything, but still function? You know, still serving to be a space through which the the work can be done but then the problem with for me with that is that then even more distinctions come through you know i invent the next process it's, i invent the next and it's like oh my god it's fantastic and i give my center away again so it's like this is this seesaw or this wild ride and i don't have a solution i i only am so glad when people say fuck you to possibility management and take back the reins you know, and then realize that they are the horse. I mean, you know, it's like this, it's this um, conundrum. It's a, it's a chronosynclastic infundibulum. It's a, this, um, you know, this infinity sign with a circle around it, ride that we're, that, that the whole game world is about. And I'm, it's like, it, it just blows me away how intelligent the thing has been the whole time about being thoughtware for next culture. Because we, we've been so far ahead of our time that even I didn't know what it was for the first 15 years. And then, and then in around 2009 or 2009 or 10, I started really getting it how this, this, this stuff is thoughtware for next culture. I didn't even have the word next culture before then. You know, I, had, I thought it was just a personality development, you know, uh, try to make your life better ideas, but it isn't. It's thoughtware for a, a context, a culture contexted in radical responsibility of this creative collaboration between the initiated feminine and the initiated masculine. This is a whole new game world. It never existed on the planet before. We're here in Crete. On Crete, the Minoan culture was here between 3000 BC and like 1500 BC before you know before Christ this is like a long time ago this Minoan culture was here and I thought because of the graphics and some of their pottery I thought it was 
Uh, I thought it was an archiarchy culture that was not, but it isn't. It was never. It was a patriarchal culture where they had hierarchical structures and slaves, and the whole thing was the same old patriarchal culture back then. And and so I, I thought, um, um, uh, what's the name of that island culture that sank? Yeah. Atlantis. I thought Atlantis was an archiarchal culture. It's not. It was a patriarchal culture. And so all of this stuff, uh, we're at the edge of inventing next culture for a, a future that may or may not exist, but the, at least the thought world will be there. And it's just beginning. You know, this is just the beginning. And it's so intelligent and so complex. And it, and it has such different values from uh, modern culture that it, that it, it causes a whole re reordering of us to participate in it. Okay, well, who's in charge? Okay, am I in charge of the transformation it causes or that, that thing? I mean, this uh, one of the trainer path people would just ask me, says, Clinton, okay, let's talk about this cashless society. How do you, how do you get to a cashless, you know, the whole idea of using a currency, an exchange currency that itself has value is false. You know, if you're using any kind of an exchange currency where the currency itself is given value, then you end up with the entire stock exchange system and corporations and this investment thing where, you know, those pieces of paper or numbers in a computer actually have no value. They don't. But modern culture is based on that having more value than nature. That nature has no value until nature is monetized, until you cut down the trees, chop them up the boards, ship them off to Ikea and they make furniture you know, cheap junk furniture, and then it has value. This, and because it's in money, has been converted to money. But this whole thing is a fake game world. Okay, how do you get, she said, how do you, how do you get the cash to build the infrastructure on which the cashless society functions? It's the wrong question. Like we can't even ask the right question for how to get there from here. There is no gap. You know, the gap is very small between here and there. But but it's, but in between there's nothing. There's this void. It's like it's just this vacuum. It's like getting from one spaceship to another spaceship with no spacesuit on. There's how do you how do you get through the vacuum? And we've been learning that. We've been learning how to do that, which is it's going to hurt. You're going to feel sad and scared and angry and ecstatically glad. You're going to have you're going to suffer. You're going to have these feelings, and it's it's. And they're just feelings. And that's how you go through in through the void into the next thing. And and the question, how do you do it? Like Aunt Chloe was saying, is there is there isn't you are the way. Like you you don't there aren't any instructions. You are the, the path. You unfold yourself and that's how. How do you do it? You unfold yourself. How do you unfold yourself? Well, you start where you are and you become more. Okay, well, how do you do that? Well, it's like a tesseract. What's a tesseract? Well, it's a fourth dimensional cube in the third dimension. You can't really explain it, but you can unfold it. It's like a hexaflexagon. You can turn, okay, what's that? Well, you can do this. This is all true stuff. I'm not making up words. These are all true things. So all this stuff actually works. So you can unfold yourself and become the path of the way that you don't know is possible. You, you are that, you have that potential because 
you're jacked into a complex enough like field of consciousness that the whole thing's made out of that it's designed to evolve and you're designed to evolve it that's that's what we're here for is to evolve to, to unfold and manifest the the incredible beauty and and of the of the consciousness itself that's what we're here for we're designed for this so thank you sarah thank you thank you clinton go ahead okay all right okay we got about five minutes for anything else if anybody has anything else shannon clarissa, clarissa did you have your hand up okay all right shannon and clarissa go ahead shannon i just wanted to say this is probably the two most important hours of my week i love this space that we share and um so last week as we were ending the call i um i was talking about my undoneness right and so everything that you said to nicole oh my god like i'm not i'm not spending time creating but I'm focused on the low drama, oh, this and oh, that, and, and blaming and continuing to like, fucking put myself in a victim mode, right? Like, oh, let me get back in there because that's where I feel comfortable and that's where, you know, and, and so this past week um, with the homework of, of, um, of not judgment and not criticizing, I was like, fuck, I criticize myself a lot and this is keeping me numb. And it was, oh my God, to, Barbara was talking about like, to see how, what I do to torture myself so I can stay in numbness, fuck. Like, fuck, Clinton, fuck. It was, I couldn't get over, I couldn't get over. Like, every time, I, and so, and so it's really, so, so like even movement even movement just brought up so much so it was just like let me not move and so so it's really so what happens now is I do the dishes and then I stop and I cry. And then I feed the dogs and then I cry again. And I just stop in the moment and just allow to come up what needs to come up and like really, really like connect with it and make sure that I really honored it before I move on to the next thing and and it's my new way of, of of navigating because before I would just like 
be still and not move and like numb myself with whatever digital or food and, and I haven't been like moving toward the food or and so and so it's just like like I did my taxes that way and so it was like oh I scanned that document okay like so probably what it would have taken an hour took me six hours because I did one thing and then I felt and then I felt and so I think I feel sad that I've been denying myself this for so long mm. and everybody's denying themselves that it's so many no. No. Shannon I, I wouldn't normally interrupt you but I wanted to say this and also um give Clarissa a second to talk but would you do something for me and that is like every 10 times or something like that pick some number every every once in a while like once a day or once every few days do it with two other people on the team here like do it really it makes it so much different when somebody can hold a space for you actually and hear you it goes in like what you're saying right now is so important it's so real it's so valuable and if you just do that with a couple other people you know a couple times a week two or three times a week call in call in the team and go through it th this will add a catalytic element uh, that will transform the thing so it'll look like baby steps or nano steps but the little completions that you make along the way, that's, it needs to go like that. If you just feel it, there is a way that you keep circling around the same thing. But if you have two other people there where one's a space holder and they can complete the thing and you make a new decision or you remove a block or you bring and you connect to something that you gave away a long time ago to survive and you, and you make these little steps, that's how this would go. So if you would do that, that would be wonderful. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say one more thing. And um, so when you were talking, um, what came up for me was that quote, like what you, um, if you bring forth what is within you, it will save you. And if you don't bring forth what is within you, it will destroy you. And, um, and so I, um, so I, I just want to share one more thing because it's important, especially since we were talking about the patriarchy today is um, I didn't go to expand the box that I had signed up for in Miami. And I didn't go because I had these, these headaches that just like got me like just, and so they've been in me, like they've just been in me. And, um, and so I got my period I got my period and and so like i'm premenopausal right and and so as so like this weekend i had this period and my headache like it got so bad last week and i and i just sat with my body and i said my god like how many times did i deny sitting with you during your period and it made me it made me so sad like somebody wrote about it in the group but it made me so sad because i felt like you know, I was in video production and we would be on shoots and it was like carrying these equipments and, 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 um, 
And so like I always was shamed with these men that I worked with about having my period. And so I just, I mean, one of the things when you're talking about builds are like, I want to encourage women to like rest when they're on their period, you know, and like connect to their body. And instead of just drugging it. Um, so I just, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Clinton and Chloe and all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, the lucky people who get to watch this stuff. These are jewels and gold and treasures and wow, gateways to amazing spaces. Clarissa, talk to us for a couple minutes. Um um so uh last weekend i um i got to meet a couple of new people and also here when we talk about uh archaearchy and all these like really things which give me energy and which are so inspiring it's like i just want to stay in this energy and then as soon as i meet new people and they ask me what I do, or they ask me about things I'm interested in, instead of talking about my transformation or about all of this, of new culture, of everything, I just get so scared and I just um, go back to like my standard self, my standard identity, like this boring person which just goes to university and uh, has a normal nine to five job. And it's so painful to not be able to, to express all of this which is inside of me. And I know that this, I want to ask for some people of you to hold space because I want to go through an, a process with this emotion. So that's the first thing I want to ask Look for. Away. The way this goes is you say, who would, who would do that for me? And you write down their names right now. So right. go ahead and ask that. Who would hold space for me to go to through this process? Can someone please say the I, names and can write them down? Okay, Shannon, yeah. Sophia Magdalena, Sarah, Ramona, Ethna, Annie Hobson, Susanna Hutzler, Bruce, David, Devin, Naomi, and Ingrid. You're in heaven. So, so Clarissa, you know, go through one layer of this and then wait a couple days and the next layer will come up. Because this is a big one. Clarissa, it's a big one, okay? When the next layer comes up, call three, two more of those people. You know, so go through this three or four times. Take your time with it. Take a few weeks, two or three weeks, once or twice a week. Pick a couple of people. It'll be this one. This is a really big one. 
So really take your time and the people will be with you and it's be fantastic for everybody. Okay? Thank you. Okay. All right, you guys. I would give you all big hugs and everything. Bruce, you too. I didn't even know you were there. Janet, you too. God, I didn't know you were there. Thank you. Really, thanks a lot, you guys. It was fantastic. See you next week. Have a great time. Play hard. Okay, see you guys. Thank you for being there.